parables of Jesus. This morning we come to Jesus' parable about the blind guides. May I remind us that there are certain things that are true about all parables. And this is what is true about all parables. Number one, they teach from the known to the unknown. Number two, about a third of all Jesus' teaching was in the form of parable. There are about 40 different parables in the Gospels that Jesus taught. Number three, each of Jesus' parables were given either to solve a problem or to answer a question. So number four, we must search each parable's preceding context to find out which problem or question gave rise to the particular parable. Fifth, it is impossible to properly discover the truth of any parable by superimposing our culture and our customs onto Jesus' culture and Jesus' customs when he gave the parable. And so with this groundwork relayed, let's look at Jesus' parable of the blind guides. Luke 6, 39 to 42. And he spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. You know, there are some setups that need to be taken down. Some givens that she be given retirement. Sometimes it's always been this way should become, it's never going to be this way again. When our Lord lived on earth, it was a given that had almost universal acceptance that the scribes and the Pharisees were set up as the religious rulers of Israel. And they lived in a world of homemade self-righteousness. They always won the games of religious monopoly because they made up all the rules and then they changed them whenever it suited them. And so when Jesus Christ lived on the earth, the scribes and the Pharisees presented themselves as being experts in Jewish law. Experts in Jewish law. They presented themselves as being experts in Jewish laws. So they dressed like they were. 
They prayed like they were. They went places like they were. They sat down and taught like they were. They spoke like they were. They interfered like they were. They ran to the spotlight like they were. And the scribes and the Pharisees taught Old Testament law, and they also ruled on it. They had the religious rule market cornered, sort of like leaving the fox to care for the chickens. They also claimed for themselves binding authority in all matters pertaining to the interpretation and application of the Old Testament law. Binding authority. There was no higher court of appeal. You couldn't seek a second religious opinion to the opinion of the scribes and the Pharisees. This is why Jesus said of them in Matthew 23, verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees, watch it, have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. They had, in Jesus' evaluation, seated themselves in the chair of Moses. And since Israel's teachers always sat when they taught, Jesus was saying that the scribes and the Pharisees appointed themselves as the official and ultimate teachers of the Old Testament law. The men to whom every other so-called ordinary Jew owed full submission without question. Now, lest we miss something that's rather key, the chair of Moses was the very most important chair of all because the very law itself was first and directly given from God to Moses. No middleman. It was just Moses and God when the law was given. The law went straight from the heart of God to the ear of Moses. And because of this crisp communication, Moses' chair was understood to be the very highest place of authority in all which pertain to Old Testament law. And to claim the chair of Moses was to claim the greatest possible understanding of the law and the greatest possible authority with respect to the law. And now, in the middle of all this religious maneuvering and monopoly, a very serious problem came up. The scribes and the Pharisees talked a much better life than they walked. They lectured a the law better than they lived it. They were better at bossing others than they were at bridling themselves. They taught the law, but they refused to let the law teach them. Very serious problems. They broke as many laws as they boasted. And they were way better at communicating God's laws than they were at carrying God's laws out. Serious problems. What was in their heads 
about God and his laws did not translate into their hands or their homes. Very serious problems. The Pharisees and the scribes could only say, do as I say. They could not say, do as I do. And for these reasons, Jesus Christ pulled no punches. He said of the scribes and the Pharisees that they were hypocrites. They were all theory, but inconsistent practice. Very serious problems. And after Jesus called them what they were, hypocrites, he likened them to something that's virtually useless, blind guides. Blind guides. All this presented a huge problem to the persons who heard Jesus Christ teach this parable. In Luke 6, 39, Jesus asked two diagnostic questions. Verse 39. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? That's the first one. Second one. Will they not both fall into a pit? In other words, Jesus' point was, and Jesus' point still is this. The spiritually blind are going to hell, and they cannot help anyone else get to heaven. Even if they speak with fancy and hard to understand religious words, even if they wear impressive and colorful robes, even if they sit in traditional and prominent chairs in churches, even if they accept flattery and favors, you can't dice it, slice it, change it. The spiritually blind are going to hell. And they cannot help anyone else get to heaven. Our Lord Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, as you know, was very hard-hitting. After persons heard his sermon, they said, no one has taught before with this authority. And in this hard-hitting Sermon on the Mount, it hit many things frontal and right on, Hard. It talked about many different topics that needed to be hit hard by the mind of God through the Son of God. And one of those topics in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that was hit hard upon was righteousness. In Matthew 5 20, Jesus cut the Pharisees' self righteousness right down to size. Jesus Christ was thoroughly unimpressed with the Pharisees' self righteousness. Jesus Christ remains thoroughly unimpressed if the only righteousness we have is self-righteousness. Jesus, speaking in Matthew 5, 20, said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That was so much like Jesus. It was blunt. Jesus was saying that whatever homemade and self-righteousness they had, it was needing to be surpassed if they were going to get from this life to the next in heaven. 
In so doing, the Savior discounted the righteousness which the Pharisees manufactured so carefully and in contrived manners for themselves. Jesus discounted that. He wasn't impressed. And Jesus pointed out that the scribe and Pharisee righteousness was totally and utterly inadequate. It was inadequate righteousness. And Jesus points out that inadequate righteousness, which is passed off to others as being adequate and worth copying, is dangerously damning. Now, all of this raised at least two questions of the parable. Question one being, why couldn't following the teachings of the Pharisees get you into heaven? And the second question that the parable raises is, what was the risk of following the Pharisees in the pursuit of heaven? Let's let the parable answer for itself. What are the answers to these two questions? Well, the first question, why couldn't following the teachings of the Pharisees get you into heaven? There was a two-part to the answer. There were two reasons that following the Pharisees' teaching could not get you to heaven. Ready? Number one, the Pharisees' teachings came from the Pharisees who were still in spiritual darkness themselves. In John chapter 1, God tells us that Except the light of Jesus Christ shine into any of our minds and hearts, there is darkness. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. The blind guide, Pharisees and scribes, had not yet comprehended the light that had come into their lives. John 118, a few verses down from five, no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is at the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So why couldn't following the teaching of the Pharisees get you to heaven? Number one, because the Pharisees' teachings came from the Pharisees who were still in spiritual darkness themselves. And two, the Pharisees' teachings came from the Pharisees and they were vision impaired by their sins. Vision impaired by their sins. Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mark, Matthew 7, 3 through 5, Jesus said, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Why couldn't following the teaching of the Pharisees get you to heaven? Number one, because the Pharisees' teachings came from the Pharisees who were still in spiritual darkness. They had not embraced the light, the only light that God was giving them in Christ. Second, why couldn't you follow the teaching of the Pharisees to get you to heaven? Second, because the Pharisees' teaching came from the Pharisees and they were vision impaired by their own sins. They were blind guides. So let's think about this. If the Pharisees suffered from spiritual visual impairment, if they suffered from blindness, spiritual blindness, how different it is for the born-again believer in Jesus Christ who is here listening to this message. How different it is for you and me. 
Because in contrast with our former spiritual darkness, in contrast with our former spiritual vision impairments, when Christ is revealed to us in the scriptures by the Holy Spirit drawing us to the cross, then a believer comes out of spiritual darkness with spiritual eyesight. In fact, 2020 spiritual eyesight if we stick by the book. When the believer is drawn to the cross by the Holy Spirit, convicted of sin, their own, and of Christ being the only provision of the light and salvation, when that happens to a believer, guess what? Everything changes. No more spiritual darkness. No more spiritual sight impairment. When we come to Christ, when we're new creations in Christ, the cross becomes central. The eternal becomes priority. The glory of Christ becomes our highest desire. The burden of God becomes our burden. The joy of God becomes our joy, and the holiness of God is attractive to us. And sin, for the person who has been drawn out of spiritual blindness and out of spiritual sight impairment through conversion, when we are converted, sin becomes repulsive. My mother was saved when she was in her 30s, early 30s. She had had church up to here in Canada, religion up to here in Canada, in a liberal church that didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It wasn't even a church. Her pastor who rejected the resurrection of Christ wasn't even a Christian. But she had that all up to here. And when she got saved, in her early 30s, she would say to persons that saw the change in her life, she would say, oh, it's all so different with Jesus. Now I laugh at what I used to cry at, and I cry at what I used to laugh at. And so the second question that the parable answers is, what was the risk of following the Pharisees in the pursuit of heaven? Listen. The risk of following the Pharisees in pursuing heaven was perishing in hell. Plain and simple. The risk of following the Pharisees in the pursuit of heaven was going to hell. Hell's grown out of fashion nowadays. Unpopular to preach to some, harder to hear for others. There's more said about hell in the Bible than heaven. In this parable, Jesus said, in the first verse 39, he also spoke to them in a parable, a blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? he will, will they both not fall into a pit? That's hell. There's no deeper pit than hell. There's no more permanent a pit than hell. There's no more a torturous pit than hell. And Jesus said, if you're going to hang your star on the wagon of a blind spiritual guide, then you're both of you are going to fall into a pit. Hell. The worst possible pit of all. There was a time in our marriage when we lived in the southwest part of Ontario in Canada, and best mother and father lived in Michigan, not too far away, about three hours, if I recall properly. And the part of southwestern Ontario that we had to drive through to get home from Michigan to our home was in some of the most severe snow belt in all of Ontario. 
And this one night, we were heading back to our home in Canada from Best Parents' home in the United States in Michigan, and everything was clear. The weather was fine. But as we started to drive toward the U.S. and Canada border, a squall came off of Lake Huron with the biggest snowflakes I think I'd ever seen, and it was like a whiteout. You couldn't even see 50 feet ahead of your car. But there were no places to pull off. There were no gas stations. There were no shoulders. <laughs> there were no street lights. These were backcountry roads. And so what is your option? Well, if you stop and put your flashers on and just sit in the middle of the road, you'll get rear-ended. I saw it happen to the guys ahead of me. The snow conditions were that bad of a whiteout. So what are your other options? Well, slowly driving, although you can't see where the road is, and just banking on the car ahead of you being on the road and keeping your tires in that car's tracks. Then a car, we saw two cars in the ditch. The first one that went off the road and the one following it went off the road with it. Blind spiritual guides are driving people, as it were, down whiteout snowed back roads. And because they're going to fall in the ditch unless they repent and trust Jesus to be your Savior, if you follow them, so will you. That story had a happy ending. I forget how many hours extra it took us to get home through that squall and that whiteout. I don't think I've ever been more uptight and tense in driving in my life. It was so scary. You put your high beams on, it gets worse. You put your low beams on, it's still bad. Take your lights off, it's worse. Very scary. It's very scary for the person who's not yet redeemed, who's not yet saved, to just start following some other religious person hoping to get to heaven. Because Jesus says, if you're spiritually blind, you're not much of a guide. And if you are a guide, you're going to lead the people that are following you not into a good place. You'll both wind up in the pit of hell. And it's too deep of a ditch to ever get out of. Today, in the Bahamas, in every other country of the world, there are plenty of people who have got enamored with religious, tradition, ritual, pomp, and circumstance. And so they are trusting not Jesus, but a church or an ordinance or a ritual to be right with God. I remember that first church I pastored. I was in the community hospital. It was a little town and a little hospital. And I would go around because I had time, and I would visit patients who were in the hospital. It didn't take me too long to meet Frida, a very delightful woman, probably in her 80s. And I asked her once, how are you doing? She said, I'm dying. And I said, and how are you with that? And she said, I'm fine. I'm a Lutheran. It's fine to be a Lutheran. And if you're trusting Christ alone in the Lutheran church or any other church, you're okay, right? But I went to see Frida several times, earned some trust with us, between us. And I said, the other day, last week, Frida, when I came to see you 
and I said, how are you with dying? And you said, I'm a Lutheran. I say, may I ask you a question? Sure. I said, if God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? I'm a Lutheran. So I was deeply concerned for her spiritual eternity. So I would go back to see her every week and chat with her. And I was really getting nowhere fast because she was hanging her hat on being a Lutheran. Again, it's nothing wrong with being a Lutheran if you're trusting Jesus Christ alone for salvation in the Lutheran church, but she wasn't. So I prayed. And I asked the Lord to show me how to get the point across to this lovely Lutheran lady who was dying, and she knew it. And God gave it to me. Romans 1.17. Martin Luther's favorite verse. And the just shall live by faith. So I went to see her on my weekly visit. I said, you, you think highly of Martin Luther. Oh, yes, I'm a Lutheran. I said, I think highly of him too. Do you know what his favorite verse in the Bible was? Romans 1.7. I shared, the just shall live by faith. And I was able to explain the way of salvation that faith is expressed in, unto Christ. I was so happy that before she died, not much before she died, I helped her to trust Christ and only Christ as a Lutheran to be right with God. I went to her funeral. I didn't know her family. I had only met her. I went out of respect for my friend who had died. And in this funeral home chapel, this Lutheran pastor stood up, and he said, we can know that Frida is in heaven. I'm going, now we're going someplace. Now we're going someplace. Because she was baptized a Lutheran. I'll tell you what. I felt like standing up in the chair in in the chapel, probably the funeral director would have not been happy with that, and saying, I object. In Jesus' time and in our time, following blind spiritual guides in the pursuit of heaven is to go to hell. Now, the other thing I'd like to point out while we're still in the parable is that a person can only pass on what a person has, right? A tomato farmer can only pass on tomatoes, but he cannot pass on library books. A librarian can pass along library books, but she can't pass on tomatoes. We can only pass on what we ourselves have. And those spiritually blind religious leaders lacked personal salvation, so they could never pass on personal salvation to those who followed them. 39 to 40. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot see, guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. You can only pass on to others what you yourself have. So these scribes and Pharisees, were spiritually blind, spiritual guides. What was the fix for them? Was there a fix for them? What is the remedy for spiritual blindness? What is the remedy for spiritual darkness? Well, the remedy then is still the remedy today. 
The fix for both of those things is removing the cause of the spiritual blindness. Removing the cause of the spiritual blindness. In Matthew 7, verse 5, Jesus said to these folks, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so Jesus was saying that log removal restores sight, and restored sight gets a person out of the dark. And when you get out of the dark, you're able to lead someone else out of the dark. Now, we need to point out a fact that there is a difference between an eye irritant and an eye injury. An eye irritant, like sawdust, hampers eyesight. But a bad enough eye injury, like running into the branch of a tree without seeing it, can take away your sight. And so an eye irritant, like sawdust, may hamper eyesight, but a bad enough eye injury can halt eyesight. An eye irritant, put another way, hampers sight, but an eye injury, bad enough, halts sight. An eye irritant blurs sight, but an eye injury blinds sight. Now watch this. Jesus' point was that the scribes and the Pharisees were a lot worse off than the average Jews who were following them. Wow. These religiously stuck-up guys that said, don't question anything we tell you about the Old Testament law. Jesus said, you guys are way worse off than the regular Jewish people who are following you. Wow. Put another way, the scribes and the Pharisees were blind eye doctors who were unsuccessfully trying to remove tiny eye irritants from their followers' eyes. And what these scribe Pharisees most had to do was to get their own spiritual eyesight back. And this would only happen, this would only happen as they received the light which is Jesus, the light of the world, that he would shine into their hearts and minds and lives and they would have spiritual eyesight. For Jesus Christ, the light of the world, to shine into their minds and their hearts and change them would only happen if they received Jesus, John 1.12. But as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. These scribes and Pharisees, for the most part, want no part of receiving an unlearned, itinerant rabbi. And so the cure for darkness is light, and the cure for blindness is sight, And Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus is the sight for the blind. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Now, I want to close this message with some lessons, two that were historic and four that are current. First, the historic lessons from Jesus' parable. The lessons that the persons who heard this parable should have understood. 
Number one, the Pharisees' teachings came from Pharisees who were still in spiritual darkness themselves. And two, the Pharisees' teaching came from Pharisees who themselves were vision impaired by their own sins. Those were the historic lessons from this parable. What about the current contemporary lessons from this parable of the blind guides? I see four for us, for you, and me. Number one, we should be concerned about the sins which we see in our friends. The parable does not see any manner of them just forgetting about the speck in the eye. Jesus never said, don't worry about the speck. Jesus wanted that speck out of the eye. So when we see sin in a brother or sister in Christ, it should matter to us. In love, we should care about it. We shouldn't skip it. Second, we should only confess and turn from our own sin before we try to help anybody else with their sin. We should be sure, to the best of our abilities, that we are free from unconfessed sin in our lives. We've repented from our sin before we ever dare to go to another brother and sister in Christ in love and try to help them with their sin. Third, some sins are more serious to God than other sins. Listen to me. All sin is serious to God. Jesus died on the cross because of seriousness of sin. But the scriptures teach that some sins are even more serious than all the other sins that are serious. Sexual sin, according to 1 Corinthians 6. Leading children away from Jesus, according to Matthew 18. Church leadership sin, James 3. Certain sins that would fall into a category that the scripture calls sin unto death, 1 John 5. I can't tell you what the sins are in the category for sin unto death because probably the sins that are sin unto death for me are different than the sins that are sin unto death for some of you. But some sin is more serious to God than other sin, which is also serious to God. Because in this parable, we have log sins, don't we? But we also have speck sins. We have eye injury sins, but we also have eye irritant sins. We have blinding sins, and we have blurring sins. Mark 12, 38 to 40. In his teaching, he was saying, beware of the scribes. Here they show up again. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces, the chief seats in the synagogues, and places of honor at the banquets. Know any of these guys? Who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation, greater Condemnation. All sin is serious to God, but some sin is even more serious than serious. Number four, it's only believers, watch it, who are in God's will who can say anything to any believers who are outside of God's will. 
It's only believers who are living the best of their ability in God's will and obedience to the word of God who can speak or should speak to other believers who aren't. Romans 15, 14, listen. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, watch it, and able also to admonish one another. Did you catch that? If a believer is not full of goodness and not filled with knowledge, then that believer is not yet able to admonish anybody else. My church family, a surgeon, never uses a contaminated scalpel. Or Galatians 6.1. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, watch it, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is saying, my brothers and sisters, if a believer is not spiritual, if a believer is not gentle, if a believer is not humble, then that believer dare not speak to restore anyone else yet. It's only believers who are living in God's will who can have anything to say to believers who are living outside of God's will. Will you stand with me? The Bible is uh, real. It's hard-hitting. It's uh, much, much more, of course, than an inspired bedtime story. It's practical. Calls us to change. And gives us the grace in the person of the Spirit of God to change. There are probably persons that you know and love who are following blind guides. Warn them. There are probably persons that you know and love that need to have sin gently pointed out, but you have no business doing it because you're right and you're not right with God yourself. Who's going to speak to that person? If not you, who? And if you're willing for it to be you, then get your life right. Lord Jesus, Master Teacher, thank you for showing us that the spiritually blind are going to hell and they cannot help anyone else get to heaven. It is my prayer and our prayer that those who are spiritually blind guides in the church would get saved. Lord Jesus, Master Teacher, you've shown us in this parable that we ought to be concerned about sins which we see in other believers. We should not just consider the specks in their eyes and walk away, leaving them with a speck. But Lord Jesus, we only have any business ministering to some other believer if we have confessed sin and turned from it. Show me my sins, Lord. 
show my brothers and sisters their sins so we all can turn from them and confess them to you and be forgiven. Lord, you've shown us that specks do not equal logs and logs do not equal specks and some sins are more serious to you than other sins, although all sins are serious to you. Grant to us grace to not embrace, coddle, hide, feed any sin in our life. And last, Lord Jesus, Master Teacher, we yield and submit to the truth of your word that it's only believers who are living in God's will as found in God's word who can have anything to say to believers who are living outside of God's word and will. Blow fresh, Spirit of God in our church. Give us clean hands and pure hearts. Give us a burden for those who are blind spiritual guides and give us burden for each other to gently, humbly point out sin in others with love and humility that we would be the spotless bride you want us to be. Lord Jesus, thank you that with your warnings come your remedies. And we would take our medicine. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.